Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, as usual, Darren Campbell. Hope everybody had a really great weekend. Obviously, a lot of sports going on still, uh, but uh, today we're talking about a sport that uh, hasn't been in play for a while. Uh, we're excited that hockey is finally going to drop the puck for real uh, on Wednesday. And uh, to join me talking about it is uh, Dale Corey. Hey, Dale, how are you? I am well. I've uh, fed and watered myself quite well through the holiday season here, and I'm glad it's January. Uh, and, and talking before we started things, uh, a chance to get back to normal a little bit this week because it's the return of the National Hockey League, and we're all pretty excited about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is actually going to be uh, one of the most um, incredible, unprecedented, crazy seasons. Uh, we're definitely hoping that things could come together uh, in this COVID world, but uh, 56 games for each team in 116 days and uh, only playing in your division, uh, this all Canadian division. I decided to put a lot of Canadian. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Behind me with some Canucks and old Canada jerseys and things. And um, I think uh, the excitement level here north of the border seems to be uh, really palpable. Uh, I think a lot of people really think this is going to be a neat experiment for the year. And um, I, I personally think it's going to be really great for rivalries and, uh, and the Canucks yeah. and a lot of the teams north of the border. What about you? Oh, I, I totally agree, Darren. I just think um, having this type of Canadian division, which we've never had before uh, at this level, at this juncture, um, and, and getting these rivalries. I mean, Montreal will, will play the Canucks more times this season than they have, I think, in the last five years combined. Uh, and that's a great thing. There's, there's a lot of Older hockey fans who remember the original six and, and were either Montreal fans or Toronto, Chicago, Detroit, uh, Rangers. Um, uh, you know, they were fans of those teams. And, and uh, you know, with, with other teams coming on board, especially in BC with the Canucks coming on board, a lot of people change. But, you know, there's still – I was an old Montreal fan when I was a kid. I would love to go watch them play more uh, when they play Vancouver, obviously. We don't know where that sits with fans in the stands. But – I think that uh, having a Canadian division, having these rivalries heat up between um, the teams out east, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, with the, with the teams out west, is, is going to be great. And it's going to really keep us uh, fans, I think, motivated to sit in front of our TVs a whole lot more and watch hockey coming up for a while here. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. It's, it's pretty exciting. Um, the opening uh, game of the uh, season is the Penguins-Flyers, so the interstate rivalry there. And then uh, the second game is the Habs and Leafs, which is a rivalry game that we see quite often on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturdays. Uh, we've got the Canucks and Oilers playing that night, the Hawks and Lightning and Blues and Avalanche. A great five-game schedule to kick it off. Uh, I looked at the schedule. I really recommend it to our viewers and, and listeners. Just uh, look at the schedule. It's amazing. There's two games against that team, and then there's three against the next team, four in a row at times. Uh, it's incredible. There'll be yeah. just uh, so much animosity built up, I'm sure. Yeah. There'll be a lot of uh, really great matchups you can see. The, the coaches will have to be really on, on top of their game, you mm -hmm. know, knowing how to change things if they lose one night or even second night. They've got to have a yeah. third yeah. game against the same team. It's yeah. going to be just um, really incredible, all the uh, juggling and trying to, you know, make sure you're keeping on top. Uh, they showed a, yeah. a graph the other day 
it showed the uh, points for all the teams in in the, in Canada from last year, and there yeah. was about five points separating the top six teams. It yeah. was yeah. really really incredible um, how much uh, the parity will be and how much each game because it's only a fifty six game schedule. How yeah. much yeah. each game will have a lot of importance. Well, and, and the fact that four teams from this division are going to make the playoffs, so four out of the seven Canadian teams. So uh, you you look around and you see the additions that each team has, uh, the players that they've added to the roster, and I think they've all gotten better to some degree to the point where uh, what three teams do you take out of that? It, it seems that Ottawa and Winnipeg are maybe the consensus to be a little further below uh, of, of the other five, but then still only four of those five are going to make it. So. Uh, I think, you know, the, the importance on every game is going to be there that much more. Um, the fact there's no exhibition schedule, so teams and players are just jumping right into it this week. So it adds something right away. I mean, you know, nothing to work together. We've watched Canucks uh, highlights of their, of their blue-white scrimmages, and that's been it. So the fact we jump right into the regular season is great. The fact that, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to, uh, you know, Ottawa maybe a little bit less, but, uh, but Toronto and Montreal. I mean, the fact that the Canucks can get a rivalry going with those two teams uh, for natural reasons, which are they're going to face each other a lot. Um, I think it's just great for the NHL. It's great for hockey fans, uh, great for Canucks fans who all grew up uh, most likely Toronto or Montreal fans as kids, um, and they get to see those teams a little bit more often. So I think it's... Uh, it's, you know, we're still always sitting in front of our televisions or, or going down to the bar if it's appropriate with COVID to watch these games. Um, but we're still going to be pretty excited to, to see them on TV pretty much every second night as well. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. That part of it, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, there are so many Ontario transplants across this entire nation. Uh, mm -hmm. Every time they go into a barn uh, around this nation. You see so many blue sweaters, white sweaters, uh, cheering on the Leafs, obviously with Montreal too, with all their history and winning 26 yeah. cups, uh, being able to be, you know, such an incredible organization over the years. Uh, they had some pretty good success last year in the bubble. Uh, the Leafs, um, you know, have retooled quite a bit uh, because of their um, losing out uh, again, flaming out in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some of the teams that have really retooled were Montreal doing a, a lot of great moves and Calgary, yeah. uh, which will be our biggest rival as always. <laughs> and it's pretty tough to see three former Canucks uh, suiting up for Calgary and especially yeah. Jacob Markstrom because uh, it, it, he can really be a difference maker in, in this, you know, in this series between these two teams. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be tough watching him in a Flames jersey, uh, uh, and it's just one of the maybe the the result of, of what takes place in in a lot of professional sports these days. And that you know, players may want to stay with the team, but sometimes the numbers just aren't there, and it's a business for them. Uh, they make great money and and deserve it for the most part. So when they get a chance to sign with somebody else, and, and in Marstrom's case, Hannah's uh, case, it happened to be the Calgary Flames. So. Um, to see those guys in Flames jerseys is going to seem weird, but it's part of the business, uh, just as it will be for uh, Washington fans to see Brayden Holt be in a Canucks uniform. Players change teams, and that's the way it is these days. Uh, Gretzky, the greatest player to ever suit up, 
played with a variety of teams. So the, sure. the thing of playing with one team your entire career is out the window these days. You go where there's some money, where you want it a little bit more, where you feel appreciated a little bit more. Uh, Markstrom loved it in Vancouver. Canucks fans loved him as well. But there's a change. He's with another team. It's a rival team, and it just uh, adds some fuel to the fire watching these games and, and watching these teams face off against each other. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, there was a little controversy with the NHL selling the division names. Uh, a yeah. lot of the purists were kind of upset with this. And uh, what do you think? They, they've got uh, the Scotia NHL North Division, the Honda NHL West Division, Discover Central Division, and the Mass Mutual East Division. Uh, wow. uh, yeah, corporations are, you know, I guess, you know, need for some revenue. But um, how did you, th what did you think when the, you heard this news? Yeah, you know, I was a little bit surprised because I didn't really know too much. I, I was flipping through, kind of getting some prep done this morning, uh, getting ready for our chat today, and I saw the four divisions. So um, I'm sure it's all about the money. And, and uh, yeah, when you sell something, you know, we haven't they're, – they're selling the naming rights for something. Uh, it is what it is, and I guess we, we come to expect that all the time these days. You know, when you think of uh, – um, say the, the Vancouver Whitecaps. I mean, they're more recognized for Bell in the front of their jerseys than they are the Whitecaps a lot of times. So, so soccer teams, it seems, have gone even much further. We haven't seen that in the NHL where we're going to see a company logo in the front as, as opposed to the, the team logo. Uh, thank goodness. We hope it stays that way, I think. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of just a sign of the times, what, you know, the, the meaning that they have, if there's anything behind it or, you know, there's not, I can think of the KIJHL, they've named their, their different divisions, but they've named them for uh, individuals that have done great things in the KIJHL over the years, the International Junior B Hockey League. So, so they've named those divisions after key people that, that have history with the league and have done a lot for it. So in yeah. this case, it's naming rights to a business and it's uh, more, more money in the pocket of the NHL, I guess. So. Yeah. I, when I heard that there was a possibility of them changing the names, I was hoping that it would be a there'd be a Gretzky division, there'd be a Bobby Orr division, there'd yeah. be you know uh, some some of the famous players of all time that uh, yeah they would honor that. But uh, yeah, they need revenue. Uh, they're not getting fans in the stands. Uh, that's you know going to really yeah. Um, harm yeah. the bottom line. So yeah, uh, it all goes about, uh, Deckles on the helmets, uh, maybe some more uh, something on the jersey we i would hate to see uh those you know really iconic jerseys suddenly like you say like the whitecaps have that bell you, yeah. you know if you weren't a real huge fan you'd look and w would have no idea who the team is that you're yeah, yeah, yeah. That you're watching here well and and hey doesn't it wouldn't it be interesting if, if all the i've got my kind of jerseys around the corner if they all started to have name bars like they do in in junior or minor hockey in the back for a business kind of thing so yeah. can i skate down skating down the ice with uh with a name bar there of somebody they, they've sold the rights to but uh it seems the further you go down uh junior b teams uh some junior a teams do have that that business on the back i know with some of the work that i've I've uh, done with the with Penticton V's. I mean, we got Johnson Meyer Insurance onto a, a patch on the pants last year, so they stood out on those black pants. Um, you look at a variety of ways that that somewhat don't take away from the feel of the game, or or that it's gone too far, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, in this case, I mean, the Canucks have uh, uh, Rogers, I believe, on their helmets coming up this year as well. So they've kind of 
added a little bit more to it. Where does it end? You, we've all been used to watching, and I was just watching the Oilers and uh, and Bruins from 1990 something, whatever, whichever year it was. I was just kind of flipping through, but you know, back in those days, there's hardly any advertising on the ice or the boards. Um, uh, it's just the the graphics aren't near as good that way, but you know, it's, it's become a business that way. And especially this year without fans in the stands, um, it's tougher to market and sell those jerseys and everything else to go with it. They're going to try to get revenue streams, you know, wherever they can to try to, to try to make a meet at that level, take the pressure off, off individual teams. I mean, NFL, they make so much off their TV deal and things like that, but uh, mm, teams yeah. have much more leeway. They don't have to maybe make as much individually because they get so much revenue filtering down, but I don't think it's quite the case in the NHL near as much. So, yeah. Well, I do understand that the NHL uh, contract for television is going to be up after this coming season. So, hopefully, they can get that injection of money and they can get a, a really good TV deal. Because you're right, um, they rely so much on gate revenue uh, compared to other sports. The NFL doesn't have to. Uh, the NFL wouldn't would still yeah. make money if there not one fan ever went to yeah. get yeah. to another game. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's different for the NHL. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about decals and, and different things. Um, the NHL just announced today a really great initiative. They're going to put a helmet decal on every helmet in the NHL that will honor Willie O'Ree. And uh, I just picked up okay. uh, Willie O'Ree's uh, new biography book. Oh, okay, it's, cool. Uh, well, maybe hard to see with the lighting, but um, forward by Jerome McGinley. And uh, Willie is the, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, he is the very first black player in the NHL. Uh, started back in the 50s and uh, had a great career. Uh, was sort of forgotten for a lot of years. And then uh, they were yeah. able to uh, bring him in, become an ambassador for the NHL. And uh, he's uh, being honored this way. Uh, they're doing a lot of things with this. Um, Hockey Diversity Alliance, and I think this is an initiative that they were able to get. They're going to observe Martin Luther King Day uh, as well this year, and uh, really nice to see some of the black history being recognized uh, by the NHL. Oh, definitely. You know what? Uh, you have to go back to, to your heritage and the people, and, and just mentioned it with KIJHL and their division names, but you have to honor those people. They played such a key role. Um, you know, I've got a 19-year-old son. He's almost 20. He, he knows a fair amount about, we're Canucks fans, he knows a fair amount about hockey in the NHL. But obviously, he's still only 20 years old. And, and we have to keep reminding, you know, the youth especially, who you want to grow with the game, either as young players and, and, uh, or fans of NHL teams down the road, um, to keep those names front and center. I mean, uh, Fred Sasakamus uh, just passed away, uh, you know, a, a month or so ago. Um, uh, first Aboriginal player to play in the NHL and did so much as well. And and uh, we've seen some great players follow through because they they look at somebody like that and, and as, uh, you know, somebody as an idol that way or somebody to look up to um, that they can do it as well. And and so I think it's it's a great move by the NHL to do this. And and hopefully I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if uh, Francis Akimus is, is one day honored the same way and, and remembered as a great Canadian more than anything else. Yeah, no, I'm really glad you brought him up. Uh, yeah, really, um, you know, they, they definitely should honor him. And, and um, yeah, uh, from all accounts, just a, a fantastic representative uh, of the community and, 
and really brought a lot to, to the game. So uh, I do want to mention our partners and sponsors before we move any further. Uh, we've got some really great uh, partners for Complete Sports Media. Anchor FM has been a really fantastic sponsor for us. They have been great at posting on multiple podcast platforms for us, and they call themselves the easiest place to make a podcast. If you want to do the same thing that we're doing here, you can just go to Anchor FM and they will get you going. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, they are an industry leader in technology, performance, and value. And the V350 stick is something that you have to get. Uh, you'll impress your buddies. You'll score a lot more goals. Uh, you'll be able to, yeah, really, really, uh, you know, make, make the team a lot better because uh, you're going to score a lot with this V350 stick. Only 350 grams lightest stick on the market. Uh, Pampas and Possibilities, they design and sell dried florals, floral arrangements, and do installations. And Forever Living, they are the aloe vera company. They grow and manufacture aloe vera-based products for health and beauty. So thank you so much to all of them. Just go to completesportsmedia.com and follow the links. You can find out more information. And there are um, links to save some money if you want to purchase any of the products. So uh, why don't we get into talking about the Canucks? Um, they have lost uh, some players, as we mentioned, uh, to the Calgary. They also lost Tyler to Foley, I thought. Um, that was a big loss. He had yeah. come in and uh, really solidified uh, those top two lines and really had helped out a lot. I hope they can weather the storm uh, in those losses and, mm -hmm. and move forward. Uh, they, they made a big acquisition with Nate Schmidt uh, coming over from Vegas. Um, but, um, yeah, overall, uh, what, how do you think um, they're looking coming into the season? Well, you know, players are going to come and they're going to go as we talk, and, and they're going to look at other opportunities. There may be a trade in there, uh, uh, you know, numbers, finances, play a key role these days in a player staying or, or a player going. Uh, so I guess my point is, um, yeah, you're going to lose some of these guys as long as you can replace them with some players that, that can pick that up again. There's going to be movement in the roster. You lose a, a starting goaltender, um, you need to find a starting goaltender. Or in this case, having a younger guy who showed well in the playoffs last year, uh, be able to pick up some of that slack and, and be your, your long-term goal as your number one guy as well. So um, so with Braden Holpe and, and uh, Marstrom going and Thatcher Demko there, uh, I think with Holpe and Demko, they've got two great goaltenders. I mean, they've got a Stanley Cup champion. And, and in Thatcher Demko, a younger guy who's, who's got his, his, his time and been able to play in moments. And last year, when, when he got the chance to shine in the playoffs, he certainly did. And I think that told everybody that, hey, this guy is the number one guy as well. Maybe not quite yet, um, but if we can bring in Braden Holpe for a few years and, and let them work together, we know we're set in goal for years to come. Um, losing uh, Stetcher is tough. Losing Tanev is tough, I think. Although you know, you get through those things. I mean, uh, uh, Tano was a long time Vancouver Canuck and, and when your heart is tied to a little bit more, sometimes you, you don't stand back and think objectively that, you know what, yeah. he's a good player. Um, we like him as a Canuck and he put his heart and soul into it. He certainly did. Um, so it's tough to see him go, but, uh, you bring in, uh, a, a guy that, uh, that they picked up like Nate Schmidt and all of a sudden the offense that this guy adds, to the team is is extensive and he can still play the back end very well so so you know they they seem to 
been able to to sign a guy like that that um, uh, can add a lot to the team and, and pick up the slack that way and maybe improve that position to some degree as well. Let's face it, Nick Schmidt's a good one. Um, Ole Ulevi uh, maybe gets a better opportunity this year as well. So it creates when you move guys like that, you, you've got to have some confidence in your younger guys moving up as well that that they can take it and run with it. And and I guess the Canucks obviously believe that they have that to let some of those guys slip away. It, it partly is money and maybe partly thinking, okay, well, if we have to let him go, we can make a trade for Schmidt and we can bring some younger guys up that can uh, that uh, we can put to the test and see what we've got with them. So, so yeah, I'm, in, interesting moves through the off season uh, and a crazy off season it is as well. It's almost for a few months we kind of forgot about hockey. I know here in Penticton it was November 14th, the last time the bees played a hockey game. Wow. They played uh, in in the final against Vernon of the Okanagan Cup series that the four teams in the Okanagan had. That was November 14th. So. Wow. Uh, so we've gone a long time. It's almost two months since I've been to a junior A hockey game and, and as long since we've seen Stanley Cup playoff games as well and since the Canucks have been knocked out. So uh, it's time to get some hockey back for everybody. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, well, um, you know, the Canucks definitely want to build on that uh, playoff success they had, the first playoff success since 2011. They really um, shined in the early rounds. Uh, uh, gave Vegas a run for their money and uh, played really well. That that top line they call it the Lotto line with Pedersen, Miller, and Besser uh, really shined uh, all year last year. Miller was a huge acquisition a couple of years ago, and um, and then Bo Horvat stepped up. Uh, some of the goals that he scored in the playoffs were just spectacular, and it it really shined a light how skilled and oh, how yeah. high level he can play, and yeah. and he. He really performed so much better in the playoffs, which is, you know, the biggest key these days. If the Canucks make the playoffs, you know, they want to go on a run again. It uh, energizes the city. It energizes the yeah. whole entire market, right? Yeah. Oh, I uh, actually saw the Horvat goal uh, when he scored those two of them in that in that one game that, that were just so, such highlight real goals, but they showed one might have been plays of the year or something a week or two ago and, and just reminded myself, was like, man, that was just, the moves that he put on on those players to get around and still uh, get the goal scored were, were amazing. So, so yeah, you get the feeling that, um, you know, I think Bull Horvat just, he does so much for the Canucks, I think, as as captain and as a leader of the team. Um, you know, we don't know what happens in the, in the dressing room, obviously, but you have to pick some good things in, in the leadership qualities and skills that, that he has possessed uh, at, a, at an early age and taking over as captain of the hockey team. But, yeah. um, but with Pedersen, he's, he's only going to get better. I think it's, it's so tough last year to, um, and, and I think same with baseball, we watch what's happening in baseball and, and only a 60 game schedule. And some players had worse stats last year. Well, I think you just throw last year out the window in a lot of yeah. cases. Um, you know, for most sports, because it wasn't a normal year, nothing really happened that, it would be normal there's obviously some players get better as the season progresses for whatever reason um they see the ball better they're they're skating faster they're able to get in a groove and as the season wears on some players get better some players uh get tougher for them, maybe because they get tired or they get bumped and bruised enough that it's tough to keep going so so this year with uh with a 56 game schedule and uh, and if things go according to plan and, and a full playoff It'll be much more like a normal year for guys, and I think that they can 
you know, kind of get into it that much more as well. That they know that um, they have to do the right things from a, a COVID-19 standpoint. But um, if they do and the season continues, it's it's going to kind of feel like a normal year for, for them, for hockey fans as well. And, and, um, and we'll really see what some of these guys can do in the progress that the Canucks have made through last year's playoffs and through the offseason. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, exciting new new guys um, is uh, Niles Hoaglander. Uh, he has looked really great uh, so far. He seems to have um, really developed well in Sweden and has come yeah. over. Uh, they're giving him an opportunity on that second line, and he seems yeah. to really be seizing that opportunity. And and uh, that's the talk of the town right now. Yeah. Well, and he and he showed. I mean, you see, uh, you see him a little bit in the World Juniors, and and it was it was fun to sit back and watch real hockey games again through through the holiday break. And and uh, Hoglander um, did some good things for Sweden in the in the championships. And and uh, they say he's he's quick, he's fast, he's he's mobile, um, offensively talented that way. And and it was interesting, you know, about uh, four or five days ago when. Um, uh, when Coach Green was asked about things because uh, Jake Bertanen wasn't skating with that second line. He'd maybe been pushed back and Hoglander was up there. And um, all he said was, you know what, it's a challenge to everybody to play better, to try to get yourself on one of those top lines. And if that's what you want, you got to work towards it. And at that point, and, and it seems so far that Hoglander has, has shown well and deserving of the opportunity. And, and um, that's the exciting thing about this. These, these guys, you know, nobody's played much hockey from a junior standpoint. Um, you know, some of these guys that just got drafted, you know, other than the world juniors and uh, Bowen Byron uh, are playing well there kind of thing. Um, uh, but they haven't played much. And uh, so now we get a chance to really see what they can do with, uh, with the season ready to go. Yeah. Well, uh, there was a little bit of a scare yesterday. The Canucks um, decided to... Uh, not to um, have a workout. They canceled their practice. Uh, there was a potential exposure to uh, somebody that had COVID. Uh, they decided to just be safe. Uh, supposedly everything's fine and they uh, were having their practice today. So, yeah. so that was good news. But um, there's been some teams very affected. I, I hear the first two games for Dallas are, are already postponed. Uh, Pittsburgh had to cancel. Yeah. Columbus, there's been about four teams uh, uh, additionally to the Canucks that have had little issues. Uh, do you think we're going to hear this <laughs> continually through the whole season? Well, I, I guess we can look at what happened with baseball last year and, and baseball deciding to allow teams to travel, play home games and, and go on the road as well. Basketball and hockey used the bubble and, in Edmonton and Orlando. And by all accounts, it seemed to work very well. There were really no cases to speak of. All of the teams that were in those bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton for hockey, um, nothing really came out there. The yeah. fact that now you've got players traveling, they're, they're, they're not in their bubbles. They're going to different restaurants. Um, you know, everybody's encouraged not to be going out too much anyway. But let's face it, these guys, are, they're in Vancouver. They're probably going to go to restaurants a little bit more. They're going to put themselves out there a little bit more. Um, and throw through no means of their own they they have that ability or, or possibility to maybe get infected a little bit more but um, but I think that uh, uh, you know you you've just got to push through some of those things and 
and um, and do the right things as an NHL player. It's your job. Um, you have to keep yourself out of uh, out of harm's way as much as possible, or the potential of that. So. Uh, the fact you're traveling is going to add to it. Certainly, you're you're going through airports, you're going through different situations, uh, into hotels, into buses, everything else. Where the bubble took all that away last year. So, so I'm sure there's going to be some things cropping up. Um, it's it's happened in other sports when we've seen the traveling through football and and yeah. through baseball. And I don't think hockey is going to be immune from that either, given the fact that uh, teams are traveling to other other cities throughout North America. Yeah, I, I looked at some of the COVID stats today. Um, the, the latest results came out of uh, January 8th, the end of last week, and there was 310,000 positive cases on January 8th in the U.S. Uh, there was, uh, uh, in Canada, uh, we had 9,215 positive cases on that day alone. Yeah. Uh, in the U.S., they've um, there are over 375,000 deaths now, and in Canada, it's been over 17,000 deaths, and yeah. uh, we're almost at a thousand deaths in BC. So, uh, incredibly serious. Uh, really, you know, has been permeating every uh, you know every area of society, and uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I, I'm afraid for um, uh, these players. Um, you know, we hear of long-term effects from. COVID, obviously these are, you know, very highly tuned athletes, very, very physically fit, yeah. but uh, I think the long-term effects from COVID uh, aren't known, but uh, we do hear that people are feeling symptoms for, uh, you know, up to six months yeah. after uh, exposure to it. Yeah. Well, and there's certainly been a share of NHL players that, that have tested positive and been through it at this point so far. And um, yeah, let's, we're going to wait and see what happens with some of those players on the road to recovery and as it stands as, as a professional athlete as well and, and how well they can kind of make it through that and any lingering effects which, which could take away uh, some of that talent level a little bit more. So um, it's, it's a tough one. It's uh, uh, the health of everybody is, is important and I think there's a lot of eyes on the NHL right now because of the fact that they've gone away from the bubble format and teams are traveling, even if they're staying in Canada and not crossing an international border. And that was an important move for the NHL to make at that point. But everybody's going to be watching closely, given that each individual team uh, had to go to its provincial government and health authorities to allow them to actually play home games. I mean, and in Vancouver, it, it kind of looked iffy uh, for a bit last week until the, the provincial government. Uh, came out and said that the Canucks could play home games. They might have been playing their games somewhere else, which really would have made things interesting. You don't have the, the home ice advantage, but you want to be sleeping in your own bed at times. And I think that's the tough part about going into a bubble is that you're just away from home for potentially months at that point. But um, but the pressure is going to be on the NHL. Bonnie Henry has obviously pushed everything back. Uh, junior Hockey League, Major Junior, Junior A, Junior B are looking at February 5th at the earliest start now. So. Um, so things are, are getting dropped and getting canceled. And the ones that are moving forward have a lot of eyes on them right now. They're going to have to make sure they do the right thing so that uh, cases don't develop. And all of a sudden, you know, the NHL forces itself into a shutdown because um, things weren't uh, controlled or patrolled properly. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, uh, yeah, let's just um, hope and pray that, um, yeah, I think that they can keep safe and uh, we're not yeah. going to see 
uh, guys, um, yeah, more guys testing positive and uh, they can keep, uh, yeah, playing and, and uh, yeah, we can get back to a sort of a new normal. Uh, I guess uh, some of the things that um, happened out of camp was there was a, a scrap. We haven't seen a scrap in uh, camp for a while. Adam Gaudet and Tyler Mott had a, had a nice little dust up. Uh, it's kind of good to see uh, something like that happen. Um, I don't think anybody was too surprised uh, in, in the yeah. camp, but uh, it doesn't really happen too much anymore uh, with these guys. So uh, it was kind of good, I thought. Well, and two veterans as well. There's a lot of times in camp a rookie might want to challenge somebody and try to boost himself up the ladder a little bit more, uh, um, give himself some cred with, with other players on the team. But this was two veterans as well. And, and it was a pretty good scrap as well. It was kind of a rough hit. And uh, uh, Godet took the exception and jumped up and, and the gloves flew. It doesn't happen very often, yeah. And, and a lot of times, you know what, a coach is probably going to smile because he – he likes the fact that his players are fighting for everything, even at this point in a, in a mini scrimmage or a training camp situation. And it's your own teammate. You still want players fighting. Sure, nothing comes out of it in the dressing room after the boys laugh it off a little bit um, because the teammates are going to be with each other all the time. You can't let that stuff uh, get to you. But it's the nature of the beast in training camp right now. It's kind of good to see. I think it. Uh, it uh, gets some life and adds some life to the team, which uh, which every coach loves to see. Yeah, no, I I didn't mind it at all. Uh, it's yeah. good, uh, competitive, and and great. Uh, they they made a lot of um, waiver moves today throughout the NHL. Yeah. Max actually waived six guys, and the two names that uh, come to the top of the list for me were Louis Erickson and Sven Berchi. Um, Louis has been much maligned his whole entire time here in Vancouver because of his contract size. I never lived up to it. Uh, don't know where that stands now with him, uh, what his you know, salary numbers count towards the cap yeah. and all that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I guess uh, those moves kind of had to be made. Yeah, uh, you know, Sven Berchi at times showed some some potential, uh, diminutive forward, but uh, with great speed and some good moves and everything, but just couldn't uh, couldn't kind of stick with it. And Erickson, yeah, at six million a year, that's tough. It's just uh, when you sign a player to that long, long a contract, you're hopeful to maybe get those three, four, five years out of the way, and then something happens. But with Erickson, it just seemed from the start that six years uh, uh, or uh, six years at six million was way too much per year, too much of a hit to the cap. And and now, yes, they're both on waivers. Um, you know somebody can pick up either player in, in Erickson's case, nobody's going to pick him up for six million a year. So the Canucks could dump some contracts salary, maybe uh, end up paying two or three million a year of that contract just to see him skate with somebody else, but to get it off the books eventually. So, so it's a tough one. Um, uh, Erickson just came in with such high hopes and it performed well with Boston before that, but you got a feeling it was a good signing at the time, but, uh, for whatever reason, and, and strange too, because there's always been a fair amount of Swedes playing with the team, and and you thought he would gelled a little bit more, but it just didn't seem to happen for Louis in a Canucks uniform. Doesn't mean he might not be back, um, but at this point, yes, as of today, he's on waivers. Yeah, uh, I guess one of the other names that um, came to the forefront for me was uh, Corey Perry with Montreal. Uh, Montreal made a lot of changes uh, in the offseason. They got to Foley, like I mentioned. Uh, Josh Anderson was a big silent. Jake Allen is a 
goaltender Joel Evanson, Michael Frolik, and Corey Perry and Michael Frolik were both uh, uh, waiver wire um, acquisitions today. And um, yeah, that surprised me because I, I thought Corey Perry did so great in that uh, bubble. He was able to really yeah. help yeah. Dallas go far. And, and yeah. Um, yeah, I thought uh, he was, he would be a good pickup for Vancouver for almost any team. And uh, yeah. I thought Montreal did a great job with it. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe he's um, lost a step or can't get along. I'm not sure. I was really surprised by this move. Yeah, a little bit, hey, because I, I thought the same way, Darren. I thought he played so well in the playoffs last year. He just, you know, had so many uh, uh, great years alongside Getzlaff and, and with the Ducks and, and uh, performing at a high level. Um, you know, guys get older and they lose a little bit along the way. And sometimes the situations to play with players that are more suited to play don't come about either. And that kind of takes them out of, out of situations as well that they could prosper in a little bit more. Um, but he's still, I, yeah, I was impressed last year in the playoffs. I thought he played well. And, and usually that gets you a good look or a contract with somebody. So you've got a little bit more stability heading into camp and, and know you're going to stick with them. That obviously wasn't the case with, uh, with Corey Perry. And, and yeah, I mean, you, uh, Montreal picks him up. Um, it's, it's a waiver pickup. So, it could be some some contract situations there to figure out yet, but uh, but he's good. He's a pretty good player to pick up at this point. Uh, I'm sure he can he can help a lot of teams along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you think so? Uh, yeah, I think the I I think the Canucks should take a flyer on him. He's a you know cheap acquisition uh, veteran yeah. player. Um, I think he can bring a lot to to the team. So we'll yeah. see. I, I you know I feel like he'll probably land somewhere. Um, you talked about the. Sens and the Jets probably being maybe the bottom two teams in this North Division. Uh, I think most people are sort of thinking that way, except for Connor Hellebuck being, you know, has, having such a great year last year, being able to possibly win a lot of games for the Jets. Uh, but the Jets have a big distraction with Patrick Laine sounding like he wants out of town. Um, yeah. Do you think that's going to affect the makeup of this team and, and it's going to harm them going forward? You know, it could to a degree. Uh, you know, we've heard some rumblings for a year or so now that maybe things weren't all copacetic in, in Winnipeg. And it's too bad because a couple of years ago, the run that they had, I, I, I thought they had um, assembled a pretty decent team and everybody seems to love playing for Paul Maurice and, and he's yeah. a good coach that way. Um, seems to really be on a great wavelength with his players and, and when they work for him, he'll work, he'll work back for them as well. So, um, so they seem to have a lot put together, and, and that maybe kind of went by the wayside a little bit last year. And now they're kind of, you know, fighting for some uh, um, for for that type of reputation and maybe a little respect around the league as well because of it. So they've still got some great talent there, no doubt about it. Um, and I don't count them out in any way. I think that they've still got a good team, and and uh, Hellebuck to play plays the way he can. He, he wins a lot of hockey games for him in a shortened season. So. So they, uh, I, I can still see challenging for playoffs, but Ottawa maybe um, not as much. I think, you know, it's probably going to be another tough year for the, for the Senators at this point. They've just got to get some of that young talent, uh, some ice time and experience and work their way up from there. Do you see that the Oilers have addressed their troubles? Uh, they always have the top-end talent. Uh, they can score a lot, but they can't keep the puck out of their net enough to move forward in the playoffs. Uh, that was a really disappointing uh, knockout of the playoffs for them this past year. Uh, how do you think they're going to be looking this year? Well, 
you know, it's interesting looking through some of the the, the different people that are, are predicting where teams will finish in the NHL. You still seem to get uh, a lot that think the Oilers can be right up there this year. And, and how do you take it away the, the way that, uh, uh, you know, Connor McDavid has excelled uh, uh, over the years in dry sidle and, and the way they work together. I mean, they were dynamite last year. So, um, so you know, it seems that a lot of times goaltending has been one of their issues of just not having that guy that, that is solid and, and there for them and, and somebody they can kind of be happy with for years at a time. So, so they've maybe got some work to do, but I think they've still got a great lineup. I think they're, they're going to be around. I think that uh, uh, the offense that they have, it's going to be a fun game Wednesday night, and then we get to see them two nights in a row or two games in a row in Edmonton. So there's a lot of young talent on both the Canucks and Oilers, and I, I got to think they're going to be there. I, I, um, I think that they've, you know, done some good things, and those, those guys are progressing to the point that, my God, one of these years they have to do something in the playoffs. They've just had so many opportunities and so many talented players at the, through the years, it seems, that just uh, haven't been able to push them up over that hump and into kind of the elite in the NHL that they should be Stanley Cup contenders because with some of the talent they have, they really should be up there and contending for it every year. Yeah, they sure should. Yeah, it's in, it's incredible that uh, you know they've won so many draft lotteries, had so many top picks, how many opportunities to have uh, you know really incredible talent, but they just never seem to be able to gel enough. And and you know, like I said, they've had goaltending troubles. They can't keep the puck out of their net uh, defensively, and um, yeah, they just flame out again. But uh, yeah, I think they'll be a tough. Um, a tough opponent uh, during this regular season for sure. So uh, it's uh, the Canucks, uh, yeah, are right in the mix immediately having to face probably the top yeah. team in the division. So um, I guess uh, one of the things that's going to be interesting this year is hearing about Ron Francis uh, watching uh, his team sort of come together, get assembled. Uh, there's going to be a lot of teams worried about uh, putting guys on waivers, uh, putting guys down in the farm, uh, having to who, to who to protect, who to keep, who to trade. Because uh, Ron Francis is the GM of the Seattle Kraken, yeah. and they're going to be coming into the NHL uh, starting next season, but they're going to have an expansion draft. They're going to have the ability to start uh, getting guys interested yeah. in coming to that organization. Uh, it's going to be uh, kind of cool to see that uh, that team come together. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's it's yeah, less than a year away. Things just have changed so much with COVID. Sometimes you forget the timelines you're involved in, and uh, hockey's been out of our minds, let alone hockey in Seattle. And and it's a very real thing that starts next year. So um, uh, you have to think that uh, you know you look at the success of Vegas right off the bat, and and other teams are 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 going to try to parlay off that and and utilize some of the success that, that they found there they just seem to find that chemistry right off the bat and that's not easy to do and and it's not going to be easy for for um uh the seattle team either but you know there's i think it's it's an area where uh, obviously there's great fans there when people see what it's like with the seahawks on, in the normal season with their fans um so i'm sure a lot of people and especially an expansion team you want to be there for something new i think and and there's going to be a lot of veteran players that, that, that might waive uh, no trades on their on their contracts or those clauses, so that maybe they get moved and can go to Seattle. Um, and some free agents are probably going to be interested as well. So it's uh, 
it's no easy task. Uh, uh, McCrimmon did a great job in Vegas, and George McBean and some of those guys putting putting them together quick. Yeah. Um, and Gerard Gallant did a great job coaching them. So, so there's a model to work off, and and there's a lot of pressure, I think, to to try to succeed in the early going. You, you know, it just seems that that back in the day, and we think of the Grizzlies, they were they were doomed for failure because the, yeah. the league just didn't seem to want to let them have any of those top picks early and let him get good so that the fans would stay with him. And for the most part, Grizzlies fans in this case stayed with him. It was maybe more the, the corporate world that didn't, that didn't catch up to all that. But yeah, the NBA made it early or tough on him those early seasons, not giving him high draft picks and be able to get some good players in the lineup. And I think things will probably change. I think the NHL has really looked at what happened with Vegas a little bit more. So it'll be a little tougher on Seattle, but yeah, they're uh, they're watching every game with interest. Everybody is open to it at this point. They're they're all somewhat fair game in that uh, nobody's out of the running from from being a kraken next season, I guess. So <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's pretty wild. Uh, yeah, the, I'm glad we're gonna have that um, inter-state uh, rivalry. We're going to you know have an ability to go down to games really easily. I'm sure there'll be tons of Canuck fans in stands once uh, they will yeah. allow the fans in stands. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of Kraken fans coming up here. Uh, it'll be uh, something that, um, yeah, something that uh, we haven't had that close of a yeah. rival, yeah. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, for the whole history of the Canucks. So it's going to be great. Yeah, well, yeah, in the, in the Canucks case, never. I mean, I've lived in Edmonton and, and Calgary, and there's such a great rivalry there. Winnipeg's kind of tucked in its own. Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto. I mean, Montreal, Toronto is the old rivalry, but then between uh, Ontario with Ottawa and Toronto and between Ottawa and Montreal being close geographically, there's great rivalries there. So, um, the, yeah, this is going to be great, I think, for the Canucks. I mean, there's, there's – um, the cities are, are similar in a lot of ways. They're in different countries, but uh, they're on the ocean. They just seem to have a lot uh, of similar qualities and, and the kind of people that live in these communities as well. So it's yeah. going to be fun having a team two hours away, the ability maybe to go down and, and watch them play. Um, you know, Vegas has gained a lot from that simply because uh, in a normal year, you've got all these fans of teams that when they do go to Vegas for those one or two games a year, I want to go down and watch them there. What, what a great opportunity. And, and um, I think Seattle is going to be a destination for, for a lot of people, but especially Canucks fans to drive down for a couple of hours, much as a lot do right now for the Seahawks and, and, uh, and go watch, especially when the Canucks are down there. So. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, Seattle is a great city. Like you say, very similar to Vancouver and this area of the world. And so, yeah, it's uh Nice to be able to make that trip. Um, can't believe how fun it is to go to see Mariners when they're playing yeah, the Jays. Yeah. Can't believe how fun it is to see Seahawks when they're playing anybody, really. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, one of the tough things about them yesterday. They uh, lost a home playoff game, first time in 16 years. Uh, they were they had won their last 10 home playoff games, but no 12th man there, no you know, fan support. Um, yeah, they, they took the loss, so. Yeah, well, and, and, the, uh, it's going to be big for Seattle to have that team and that yeah. Well, and, and what's so interesting, I mean, uh, Goff didn't start the game on Saturday uh, for the Rams in, in Seattle. Wolford did. And they kind of talked in the broadcast that, you know what, if, if this was a normal game uh, with fans in the stands and that 12th man, they probably started Goff because he was more the veteran. So, 
So that's how much of a difference it ended up that he came in and, and won the game for him anyway. Or I think the Rams defense won it much more than the Rams offense did. Uh, the defense for the Rams was spectacular and just didn't give Russell Wilson anything. But uh, um, but that's how much it makes a difference. The other team basically said, we'd have started a different quarterback had there been 70,000 some fans there as opposed to nobody there. So yeah. uh, so it's a big difference and Seattle yeah. missed it. And, but uh, they got to look inwardly after that one, I think. They're, they're yeah, you're right. Yeah, they shouldn't blame it on who are they did it themselves, yeah. Uh, there was there was some free agents um, constantly shown to us that TSN would have a free agent board and they showed it to us and showed it to us uh, over the last four or five months, however long it's been, and, and really no movement forever and ever and ever. Uh, I guess this um, new reality with the uh, salary cap staying stagnant and uh, not the uncertainty over um, having fans in the stands, I felt sorry for guys that ended up being free agent this year. Uh, there really wasn't many deals, but uh, there was a couple that I'll, I'll mention. Uh, Taylor Hall had a, a one-year, $8 million deal way at the very, very beginning and went to Buffalo. Uh, and then they, they had uh, Mike Hoffman, who was touted as the best guy out there. He got a one-year, $4 million deal with St. Louis. And Matt Barzell uh, re-signed with the Islanders he did a three-year contract, and he did a, a backloaded deal where he gets four million this year, seven million next year, and ten million in the third year. So, um, but the reality was, um, free agents really weren't making any moves at all. They were just sitting stagnant over the whole entire offseason. Yeah, and uh, you know, with hockey just starting this week, obviously baseball. Now that we're almost mid-January, is that? month, month and a half away from from uh, uh, from teams reporting to Arizona and and, uh, and Florida as well. So getting their season going, and there's still a lot of big free agents out there for baseball as well. So it's been tough that way. Uh, what do the teams do? You know, it's it's just such a, um, a, a crazy time, and you can't – there's no there's no normal and no ability to project what normal will be down the road because we're still getting through this thing right now. So as, as an owner – um, I mean, I'm loving the fact I'm a Mets fan and Cohen is worth like 14 billion or whatever. So um, he can go spend some money and I'm okay with that. But for most teams, you know, most teams in baseball aren't signing any free agents. They're going the other way because their, their owners may not have those deep pockets and they don't want to start to lose millions and millions because they can't have fans in the stands and, and they're signing players. They're, most teams are going the other way and dumping some of those big salaries. In NHL, yeah. Um, it's going to seem strange seeing uh, Zdeno Chera in a Washington Capitals jersey. Um, almost Van Giesburg as well, but he, he won't be playing. It doesn't look like this season. So, so there's some interesting, interesting uh, uh, signings of, of players that have spent so long with one team their entire career in those two cases. All of a sudden, they're, they're signing with somebody else. But it's a new reality if you want to keep playing, and sometimes your, your team just either can't afford it or needs to move on with younger players, and then there's an opportunity somewhere else. So, Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Zidane Ochara. Holy cow, that was so weird seeing him in a Washington uni yeah. uniform. Uh, so bizarre. You just, uh, you know, associating with Boston and being the yeah. captain and, you know, just being that stalwart on their blue line. Uh, they named Patrice Bergeron their new captain. That was kind of a little prank that they uh, put Marchand, uh, put it you know on Marchand at first, and then 
he laughed and ended up saying, no, no, it's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, that was good. Um, there's, there was some other, um, you know, moves that had been made uh, that I want to talk about. Um, Corey Crawford left Chicago, signed a two-year deal with New Jersey, uh, went to training camp with them, and then uh, just decided to up and retire. That was um, yeah, pretty surprising news, and it caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, I'm not sure why that happened. Uh, I guess maybe we'll hear the story in the coming days or weeks. But, um, yeah, he just, uh, I guess, didn't feel like it was a fit there for him. Yeah, and that's that's a tough one. I mean, I think a 10-year veteran, so he's not that old a guy. He's still got some years left and has, has performed very well. Um, so it's kind of a strange one there. Hard to understand what may have been taking place. Um, you know, I think last year we got used to it with 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 the NHL and, and with Major League Baseball with some players just opting out of the season saying, hey, with, with the uncertainty, um, family situations, uh, uh, not knowing how, how far COVID was going to go, and we've seen that now. A lot of players decided not to play, whether it was baseball or hockey, more so baseball. Um, but in this case, yeah, it looks like he's, you know, announced his retirement. So whatever situation may have been happening there or, you know what, uh, money's not an issue for these guys like it was in years past. And a lot of times, they just had to keep playing into their 40s because um, they wanted to make as much as they could, being it might have been 50 or 60,000 or, or 100,000 a season. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. So guys can play 10 years and they've made enough that they can retire and live comfortably the rest of their lives. Um, you know, you look at Tom Brady, 43 years old. York and I were discussing him, watching him the other day of how well he's still performing as a quarterback, the mental and physical strains on you, just, you know, uh, coming up with the right plays and executing and everything else, but to do to 43 and to do it in football at that position is, is unbelievable what, what he's able to achieve. But um, we don't see that much as Zidane Char obviously is, is in that range as well and still playing at a high level. So if you've got the ability to compete and you think you can do it and you don't want to quit yet, um, you find a team to go and play on, I guess. So. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Tom Brady. Uh, did you uh, did you see the graphic that they put up uh, because he had passed George Blanda as the oldest uh, player to ever oh, yeah. start a uh, an NFL playoff game? And yeah. uh, you saw the picture of George Blanda, and he looked like Tom Brady's grandfather. I was like, <laughs> whoa! And yeah, I think yeah. People are keeping themselves in better shape these days. Oh, they understand yeah. how to you know make sure that you've got some more longevity to your yeah. career, eating well. He, you know, getting in the gym, keeping healthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah try to find that online. You'll be shocked. <laughs> I'll try to put it up for our, our viewers because it, it looks hilarious to see Tom Brady standing beside George Blanda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it just seemed so different way back then. Um, you know, NHL, guys, guys could take the summer off from playing hockey. I mean, now most players have access wherever they are that, that they can go skate all the time through the winter or they're in the gym all the time. They're staying in shape, whereas years ago, I think those guys could could go and go and drink beer and fish and relax for three oh. months. The season wasn't near as long, um, uh, so they could get away from it. And and you know, it it was just a different kind of game, I guess, just a different kind of game. Um, now there's there's much more in the line, uh, prestige, uh, money. Um, so you're driven to succeed and, and you're driven to keep your job as well because you know there's hundreds of guys behind you that want that job and will do whatever it takes to get to it. So 
it forces you to, to keep pushing yourself to be better and better. I mean, Tom Brady and Drew Brees as well, obviously, they're, they're outstanding specimens of athletes that, uh, that are playing at a high level in, in the best league in the world that way and, and at the most important position and, um, and still doing it. And, and uh, yeah, you gotta, it, it's great to see. And, and um, it just shows what athletes that, that keep themselves very fit and, and take all of that into a serious, uh, serious nature. And, and we've seen even golfers getting to that point where, yeah, they're lifting weights. They're doing much more to stay in good shape because they think it helps their game and allows them uh, a better chance to succeed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Taves kind of shocked the uh, hockey yeah. world. Uh, another Chicago product um, decided he was uh, opting out. Uh, uh, don't uh, know any details yet. Uh, so uh, hard to comment too much on it, but that caught the uh, hockey world by surprise. Well, and, and we just look at the Blackhawks, and I mean, we all remember as Canucks fans years ago of how they decimated Vancouver a few straight years in the playoffs, but there was always Seabrook and, and Keith and, and Kane and Taves. I mean, those are those four guys, and they have been there for a lot of time together now. It's, it's unfortunate for, for Jonathan. We just have to see what comes out of it. There's, there's some type of ailment there or something that he's, he's got to get himself through and hopefully get healthy and better. And, whether he plays hockey again, we'd love to see it certainly, but more just for his health is uh, uh, showing the respect that way that we, we want him to be a healthy individual for, uh, for his retirement years when hockey is finished. And we just don't know what it is right now. And, and um, you know, we all kind of wait and, and see what, what comes out of it and, and hopefully it's the best. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Henrik Lundqvist uh, has to undergo some heart surgery. So um, we, we wish the best for him and his family. Uh, that uh, is another, um, yeah, unfortunate thing. You, you just don't think uh, guys in their, uh, their prime are going to be able to have to deal with these health uh, issues and problems, but uh, yeah. it can permeate the rest of society as well. Uh, there was a big announcement today. The Coyotes named Shane Doan, the chief hockey development yeah. officer. That was really welcome news. Uh, one of the really great guys in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember watching his retirement ceremony a few years ago, and it was a lengthy one. And I mean, to, to play your entire career with one organization from Winnipeg to, to Phoenix and, and everything that he did on the ice and, and probably more so off the ice because he was just a great individual and, and human being that way. And, um, it's, it's good to see there's, uh, there's always something for these hockey players. And there's, there's obviously some right away, even as players, you can kind of look and say, He's going to make a good coach sometime or, or maybe a good manager because he's got the understanding of what happens behind the scenes that way and putting that team together. Um, but it's great to see that, that you know, players have this chance and, and especially Shane Doan, he deserves it. He, uh, he's been great for that organization over the years. You want to see him active and, and involved because he can contribute to it being a better organization uh, for his part of it. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's great to see uh, yeah. Phoenix definitely seems like they've turned things around. They've got a decent squad and um, yeah I was really excited uh, he's he's always been one of my favorite people in hockey and and it's very rare to see a guy uh, play that long with one organization it doesn't really happen too much in these this day and age um, Mike Babcock was named the uh, inside analyst for NBC hockey so uh, he will be taking over from Mike Milbury who lost his job over some controversial statements uh, interesting to see Babcock 
there. I think you're probably warming that seat for about a year because he'll want to get back in the coaching ranks. I think yeah. he's being paid by the Leafs this year. But yeah, um, yeah what do you think? Do you think it'll uh, it'll be interesting to hear his commentary? Yeah, I, I've always appreciated Mike Babcock, and, and he kind of he, he got me, you know, leaning towards. I don't mind seeing the Leafs win some games here, kind of thing. I've I've always respected him as a coach. The things he said. Um, Saskatchewan boy, and I know when the Humboldt Broncos uh, bus crash happened a few years ago, he was pretty vocal in, in stepping up and, and talking to individuals associated with it and, and coming home to get some work done to help help raise money and different things like that. So I've always had a lot of respect for Mike Fatbuck, and uh, uh, he's always got good things to say. It, it's, it's somewhat easier when, yeah, you're not speaking on behalf of the team, you're an analyst that way. And, and I'm sure with all these coaches, I mean, you live and breathe this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. Um, you just never get away from it. Um, and so to do that for a year is probably good for a person to kind of let your mind relax a little bit and step away from the day-to-day -day of running a, a hockey team on the ice. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt he'll, he'll be looking. I'm sure he'll have a lot of suitors when the season is finished and teams start to make some changes uh, getting ready for the 21-22 season. Uh, I'm sure he'll be in the running for a lot of positions at that point. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, one of the most highly sought-after coaches there. Uh, there was just a personality clash, I think, with yeah. Kyle Dubas there. And, uh, yeah, it just uh, didn't work out. After he signed that massive deal with Toronto, you thought maybe he would uh, be there yeah. forever and that he would be yeah. able to bring the Leafs a cup. But uh, he's super highly respected in the hockey world. And, I'm sure he'll um, he'll get an opportunity uh, very very soon, uh, but yeah, it'll be great to hear him uh, make yeah. a lot of commentary and uh, hopefully it gives us some insider information that we we didn't know before. Um, uh, Gary Bettman is a guy that uh, really creates a lot of controversy. Has um, always uh, received a lot of booze when he mm -hmm. enters into an arena when he steps up to a podium to talk. Uh, a lot of people don't like him. Uh, I guess I would prepare to be boo booing a lot this year if you boo Gary Bettman, because we're going to see him on TV so much through this unprecedented year. He's yeah. going to have to make a lot of comments, talk about uh, the direction the NHL's going in when COVID yeah. happens, when uh, fans are allowed in stands, different things. Uh, just yeah. expect to see Gary Bettman all the time this year. Yeah, boy, it's one of those positions. And, and yeah, it doesn't matter what he does. It, it seems to be the greatest thing. I mean, he comes out to present the Stanley Cup and, and it could be in, in, in the arena of the team that just won the Stanley Cup and he's still going to get booed when he's going to give them the Stanley Cup. So uh, it's a thankless position in a lot of ways. You know, I've, I've, I think I've warmed up to him a lot more. He's an interesting individual when you listen. He's, he's a businessman and, and he's got a lot on his shoulders to run with. Uh, with uh, 30 some NHL governors and teams on them all the time because they're looking after their own best interests. So, so it's a, a tough position that way. And, and you know, I kind of look at his position similar to maybe some of the ones of, of the prime minister, the premier in Canada and the decisions they've had to make COVID related because it's uncharted territory. And, and you know, it, it just affects so much. A bit of a side note, I mean, I spent years in Chilliwack and spent years at the Curling Club. I just saw a post on Facebook from uh, Bruce, the manager there, saying that they canceled the rest of their curling season. Everybody's been on pause at this point. But they opened a building 
four years ago, and they have yet to have one full season of curling at that new curling club in Chilliwack, and, wow. and they deserved it so much. Um, they started, they got in late the first year, I think it was November, December, when they actually, the building was finished and they could go in. Last year got cut short um, because of COVID. This year got cut short. So next year will be their fourth year in their building, but they're hoping it'll be their first full year. So that's just a small, small example of what everybody is going through. And when we talk sports and recreation these days, and we, we love to get involved and do things and um, it's all on pause. So it's, it's tough to be critical of anybody from what they're doing um, because they're trying to do their best and, and, and the survival is, and safety is so important. And for Batman, yeah, he's, he's got owners that want to get fans in the building and make money. Their, their revenue streams have, have dried up through this. The fact they're playing hockey, it's great for us. We're sitting at home. We'd be in the same place we would be every other time watching those games. Um, yeah. For the owners, they don't have fans in the stands. And, and, you know, it's tough to sell all those jerseys and, and memorabilia when you don't have fans coming to the building. That's when they would sell most of what they sell. So that's not happening anymore. So it's, it's tough on them. Uh, you know, we just want them to get through somehow so that uh, we as fans get to continue watching. And, um, and that all starts on Wednesday. And, and let's just kind of hope that it all goes smoothly, that there aren't any serious outbreaks that, the season can keep going and and we as fans can enjoy it yeah fingers crossed uh we really yeah. want the season to go well uh this these divisions are going to be really exciting uh obviously being north of the border here we're we've you know focused a lot on the canadian divisions uh i think as the season wears on we'll talk a lot about the rivalries in many of the other divisions there won't be a lot of travel which is going to be great keeping the covid down uh, I'm really glad that they decided to keep this border closed and uh, had all these Canadian teams here. This is going to be unprecedented. It's going to be fun. I think at the end of the year, fans are going to be clamoring for this to be the case for all every year going forward. Because, uh, yeah, the, these rivalries are going to be great. Uh, we're going to see some of the best hockey in the regular season that we've seen in years and years. Yeah, I I think so. I think when it, when it gets right down to it, there's – there's a lot of excitement for Canucks fans, I think, because we, we all saw what this team could accomplish in the playoffs last year. And, um, and I, I, you know, when it came down to the wire, I still thought they were going to beat Vegas and, and continue on as well, the way Thatcher Demko started to play. But there's just a lot of talent uh, uh, with Patterson and Besser and, and Gaudette getting better and, and um, uh, some of the young guys that, that they've now signed. I, I'm excited for the season. I'm excited to watch these guys play. And it, it, it gets us back to some type of normalcy. We all want that a little bit. We, we like to be going outside our homes and doing a lot more, but it's just not doable right now. We have to get through this. So the fact that hockey games will start on Wednesday, um, there'll be a lot of them in a short period of time. So every second night, pretty much, you're going to be watching your team in action, whether your Canucks fan or Flames fan, Oilers or whoever. So, and the fact that it was a Canadian division, I think it's it's that year that um, uh, is is going to add a lot of uh, fun factor to it because we're going to see Toronto and Montreal that much more. And and I think that's great for Canucks fans. I think we're going to love it. We're gonna we're gonna have fun watching the back to back of those uh, those two game series in individual arenas because um, they're going to get a little rougher. And if you and if you switch venues and go another two with the same opponent, it's going to get even crazier. Um, and that's all good to get us excited about hockey. And we all need that right now, let's face it. Yeah, we sure do. Yeah, no, it's 
It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I uh, can't believe we're right on the cusp of it uh, starting this Wednesday. Uh, tune in here to Complete Sports Media. We'll give you lots of updates through the year. And we'll have Dale come in uh, periodically through the season. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll cover this great, great year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I can't wait. Uh, I really appreciate that you were able to squeeze us in here today and do this uh, on the preview of the season. Uh, it was, this was a lot of fun. You bet. My pleasure, Darren. Uh, I'm, I'm glad, happy and glad to come on and talk hockey with you. Uh, uh, we briefly mentioned junior hockey, and as fans, we all want to see our junior teams play at this point. We're aiming for uh, February 5th, uh, when I think the next uh, release comes from, uh, from the Health uh, Association and, and from Bonnie Henry. Um, the the Cooney International League, the BC Junior Hockey League, are all waiting for February 5th. And, Hoping they can get some type of season here in Penticton. It's it's a team that's that's uh, looking pretty good right now and looked good in in November last time we watched them play. Um, and uh, we're supposed to be hosting the Centennial Cup here, so it's been pretty quiet that way. Um, maybe in the next few weeks, yeah, we can we can talk a little junior hockey again and try to give people a good update as to what's happening with some of those leagues because uh, those are the ones that really mean so much in our communities. Uh, um, you know, 18 teams in the BCHL, 17 in Canada, along with Wenatchee. Um, Wenatchee won't play this year, but the others are ready to go. And there's a new team in Cranbrook, and it's the lifeblood of communities in a lot of ways. So we, we all want that back, even if we have to sit in front of our computers or listen on the radio. Uh, we still want those games back. So, yes, we're keeping our fingers crossed for all of that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for giving us an update on that. I, I think a lot of people... Uh, we're yeah, hoping with bated breath that uh, they, they could start at some many points throughout this year. But uh, yeah, February 5th, uh, I hope that happens. Uh, that's perfect timing for the Super Bowl. We can have some Super Bowl parties and we can have some junior hockey that is the lifeblood of so many communities around this country and especially here in this province. And um, yeah, thanks again. You got uh, it. We will, uh, I'm sure we'll do a little bit of texting on Wednesday night when the Canucks... Uh, start the season off with a big victory over the Edmonton Oilers. So, uh, yeah, again, you're on. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, keep in touch. We'll talk really soon. You bet. My pleasure. Go Canucks, go. Go Canucks, go. Okay. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate your support as always. And uh, we will be in really close contact. We've got another podcast this evening. We're going to be breaking down the uh, football over the weekend talking about the playoff matchups going forward next weekend. It's going to be exciting. Jason Cameron will join us. So uh, tune in to Complete Sports Media as often as you can. And uh, we appreciate the support. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Love you. Bye for now.